What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. This is the Bill Press Show. Yes, it is the Bill Press Show. My name is Peter Ogburn. Of course, it is our weekend podcast, which, you know, heaven knows there's so much stuff going on during the week. We don't have time to get to it all. Or there's a lot of things that happen after we go off the air on Fridays. Uh, Today is one of those days. Uh, There has been a major story for the second half of the week where Multiple high-profile Democratic politicians and members of the media are getting bombs sent to them through the mail. I wanted to talk about that story with Will Sommer. He is with the Daily Beast. Uh, Will, thank you so much for joining me, man. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. So not only do you write for the Daily Beast, you also have a newsletter all about right-wing extremism. Tell people where they can uh, learn more about that. Sure, yeah. So it's called Right Richter. It comes out every week. Uh, if you go to rightrichter.com, that's R-I-G-H-T, uh, Richter, like a Richter scale, R-I-C-H-T-E-R, uh, rightrichter.com, and that will take you to the Daily Beast sign-up page. It's such a wild time I mean, it, it, time for uh, this extremism stuff because, again, this has always been a problem, and it's always been sort of lurking, and now uh, it, it has sort of come into the front of the political discussion. Uh, What do you think it is that created that environment that allows it to thrive now more than ever? Yeah, I mean, I I think obviously the, you know, I I think social media makes it easier for these kind of stories to spread. I mean, I'd be amiss if I didn't say, you know, the president is probably the most prominent conspiracy theorist in the world. Uh, You know, he kind of rose to prominence in politics by promoting the the birtherism about Barack Obama. So I really think that's what's that's what's going on. I think the the GOP base, after decades of uh, Republican attacks on the mainstream media, I think the GOP base has kind of become unhinged uh, in terms of uh, what media sources it's willing to consume, and it's really a free for all out there. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that's a good point. Uh, speaking of the president and his uh, comments and some tweets, he tweeted. Uh, we're full disclosure. We're taping this on Friday around lunchtime. Uh, the person that was sending the bombers or a person of interest has been arrested. It's a man in Florida. Uh, there will be more details to come out about this. We'll be talking about it all next week. Uh, but for now, I wanted to read uh, Donald Trump. He sent a tweet at 3.14 a.m. on Friday morning that says, Funny how lowly rated CNN and others can criticize me at will, even blaming me for the current spate of bombs are ridiculously comparing this to September 11th and the Oklahoma City bombing. Yet when I criticize them, they go wild and scream. It's just not presidential. So one of the things that I noticed as uh, this coverage is is happening live of this uh, arrest of this man, uh, there is a white van in question. 
that the police have descended upon. They put a blue tarp over it, but before they did, you could see that there was a lot of pro-Trump stickers. There were a lot of pro-Trump stickers all over the vehicle, including a presidential seal with Donald Trump's face on it, lots of Trump stickers here and there. So there has been some... Uh, criticism leveled towards Donald Trump about the rhetoric that he's used and the impact that it might have on his followers. And it seems like some of the fears are now being realized. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously at, at this point it's a bit, you know, it, it, I'm reluctant to speculate, uh, but, you know, it, maybe he, his van is covered in uh, Trump stuff because he hates Trump. But then again, <laughs> he didn't send Trump a bomb. You maybe. Know, he sent all these Democrats bombs. Right. Um, yeah, you know, you know, I think this will be a very interesting case to follow. I think Based on some of the bomb targets, that suggests to me that this is a person who is very versed in sort of the right-wing media and essentially the right-wing Internet. Uh, you know, it, obviously everyone knows who Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton are, but someone like Maxine Waters and especially someone like Robert De Niro, specifically, like, it, these are like kind of very specific objects of hate in the right-wing Internet. A lot of people may have forgotten that Robert De Niro... Uh, you know, said Trump was really stupid a couple months ago, and that has sort of rocketed him to this real like hate status on the right. Yeah. And so I think that's a that's a very interesting tell. And of course, the bomb to George Soros as well. So, I mean, there's so much to unpack out of this story. But one of the things that you write about is is you're a tech reporter for the Daily Beast. You write about how the technology specifically is sort of influencing and almost aiding in the rise of this right-wing extremism. Um, what has been done to try and curb some of these types of uh, uh, hate, some of this hate speech that happens online? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I mean, I think over the past two years, and I think especially uh, since Charlottesville in 2017, I think the tech companies have taken a much more aggressive approach to this. Um, and yet I still think there's a lot that remains to be done. And I think a lot of these rules are being applied sort of haphazardly. It's sort of like if, if one gets a lot of attention, um, you know, they'll do something, but not in a more uh, sort of uniform way. So for example, we've seen that banning people from a site like Twitter or YouTube is actually incredibly effective in terms of reducing their reach. Uh, with someone like Alex Jones, for example, who was banned from, you know, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, uh, he claimed, oh, you know, whenever someone gets banned, they claim, oh, you know, this is actually great for my brand because I come off as so forbidden. But in fact, I mean, if you look at Alex Jones's views before and after, I mean, it was something like like one percent of what he used to get when he would be on YouTube. And now that he's on these backup sites, uh, and and so additionally, I think there's a lot of interesting work being done uh, in terms of the financial aspects. So a, a lot of these kind of hate figures are able to subsist uh, through donations from their fans because obviously they can't go out and get a job. And so, but when a site like Patreon uh, or, you know, Kickstarter, these were sort of the first sites to c cut these guys off. Then they created their own sites, but then the credit card companies and sites like PayPal stopped serving those sites. And so they've really sort of been driven into financially into a lot of difficulty. And we're starting to see some of these extremist sites uh, shut down as a result. You know, it's something that I struggle with uh, because of the, you know, First Amendment stuff and a company deciding who they you know, just a company deciding who they will or won't allow to to broadcast or have a voice on their site, because it could be a slippery slope. I think so far they're banning the right people. I think Alex Jones absolutely was right to get kicked off of these companies. And again, they're private companies, so they, they do have the right to 
uh, allow or not allow certain people on there. But, you know, it it is pretty shocking that there are some people taking a stand against this type of stuff. But then there are other places like Twitter who I don't think they are doing a very good job. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I would want to echo, I mean, this is also like a very awkward situation that it ends up being like, you know, oh, please, tech companies, save us. Because, you know, then down the road, you know, the, the idea that they control the access essentially to the public square, which is, you know, a private square, and that, you know, if a tech company doesn't like you and you're banished and you basically just disappear from the discourse. I mean, I, I think that's very worrisome stuff, especially given how, uh, you know, what a huge economic role these countries, these companies play. So I think a lot of people, rightfully so, uh, were quick to jump on the fact that Donald Trump and his rhetoric of calling the press uh, the enemy of the people and just a week ago uh, slammed or, or, or praised uh, Greg Gianforte, the congressional member of Congress, who body slammed a reporter and says that anybody who could body slam someone like that is my kind of guy. Um the White House was quick to push back on that. Sarah Huckabee Sanders came out and said, you know, no, this is not okay, and that the media is critical of uh, of what Donald Trump is doing all the time. Uh, in fact, she said 90% of what they have to say is negative about us. But, you know, it, I, I, it is sort of obvious that, like, the media is just reporting on the news. It's not like they're going out of their way to paint Donald Trump as a bad guy, but the news is not great for the Trump administration. So anything short of constant praise is not going to be good enough for the Trump administration. Yeah, it, it, it's very interesting how these studies like from right-wing groups like Newsbusters will come out and they'll say, you know, 90% of the coverage has been bad, and when it was Obama and George W. Bush, it was only 70 or 60% was bad. And it's like, well, I don't know what to tell you. Maybe he's just the worst president. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like, like, one alternative is that the media is, like, constantly lying about him. Look, do I think more reporters are liberal than, than conservative? Yeah, of course. But, I mean, the idea that, you know, it, the other alternative to that, that explanation is that Trump is just the worst president. And, of course, you know, no one is considering that. Right. I mean, look, there are just more scandals and bigger scandals on a bigger scale. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, it's like the New York Times, of course, that, you know, they, they revealed he did tax fraud. And then that was like a three-day story. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Will Summers, our guest uh, from the Daily Beast, uh, not only does he write about technology, but he has a newsletter all about right-wing extremism. It's called The Right Richter. Uh, I encourage you all to subscribe to that. Um, so the one of the things that quickly came out uh, from a lot of right-wingers was that these were all false flags. These were fake bombs. Uh, Lou Dobbs was leading that. I know you wrote about that. There were several people out there saying that this was just all a plant by the Democrats. Um, it, it just seems like this is a trend, right? When something goes bad for Republicans these days, it, it's very easy for them to just find a boogeyman. I can't believe that George Soros is still a boogeyman on the right, right? Like after all these years, but he is. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I mean, a lot of it does revolve around these, like, it's like even a relatively mainstream Republican stuff, like Sean Hannity, for example. Uh, it kind of revolves around this idea you have to create, like, really, like, create a villain. And then as soon as you do that, anything that can be tenuously tied to them uh, is, you know, proof that they're up to something. And so in the case of, or, or, or proof that, like, the Democrats are not just politically disagreeable, 
but uh, but like a nefarious and, and, and this sort of fifth column trying to undermine the country. So in the case of George Soros, you know, they're claiming that he's funding this migrant caravan. Now, of course, why it would help Democrats to promote a Republican-friendly wedge issue uh, right ahead of the midterms, you know, no one's considering. But these, these people in the caravan are carrying USAID bags from the U.S. aid agency, and George Soros has given money to USAID, and so they're saying, well, you know, this is proof that Soros is funding the caravan. Now, the alternative version is that George Soros is a guy who gives money to poor people. Right, right. <laughs> you know, people coming from an impoverished country uh, are going to have bags uh, related to it. But, uh, yeah, they, they, they're pretty riled up. You know, as part of the liberal media here, and we own the, the term liberal media uh, on the Bill Press show, but, like, you know, we, we say all the time, we wish George Soros gave more money out to progressive yes. causes, right? Like, compared to what the Koch brothers spend and Sheldon Adelson spend on their causes and conservative causes, well, well, it's not. And that's exactly it. I mean, the idea that, you know, Democrats are the ones who love money in politics, I mean, is ridiculous. Nice. And, but, it, but they've been successful. Republicans have been successful at demonizing George Soros as sort of this, like, not just a rich guy, but it's sort of this, like, puppet master. And, of course, there's a lot of anti-Semitic folks at play here. Yeah. Um, but it, 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 more so than, you know, like the Koch brothers or, you know, any, any random uh, billionaire who's donating to Republicans. Yeah. Well, uh, it's obviously a developing story. There's a lot more going on. Uh, again, we're taping this on Friday, so uh, who knows what could happen between now and when this publishes. But, uh, Will, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Will Summer from the Daily Beast, everybody. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in. We're going to be back live on Monday uh, with more developments on this story for sure. Stay tuned.